I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Oh, please do. Please do. <laughs> oh, the stranger the better. everyone. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. Today, I'm being joined by the lovely Jesse from I Dream of Jesse. How are you, my dear? Dead tired. But oh, I'm, that. S- I'm sorry. <laughs> what? You, you out working in the yard? You, you exploring no, today? No, my freaking cat would not stop last night. Just howling and howling and jumping up on the bed, and I shut him out, and then he's clawing at the door, tearing up the carpet, trying to get in. Dang. <sighs> yeah. What do you think? Like, what's the? Why do they do that? Because they want to be up in the middle of the night, <laughs> and I've got to get up in the morning. Trying to keep you up. That sucks. <laughs> we have to deal with. <clears throat> we have to close our our doors, essentially trapping our dog Minnie inside our room with us. And that's so that she doesn't wander around the house and pee everywhere like Shih Tzus for some reason. Just they're like cats Re- in reality. They're just exactly like cats. And so they kind of just do their own thing. The bad part is we don't have a litter box that cats learn to use. So we just have a dog that if she gets freaked out, she'll pee. <laughs> so any sound freaks her out. You live in my house and you're going to get random screams every once in a while. It's just sort of <laughs> par for the course of the Campbell residence, unfortunately. Um, and so uh, she freaks out from time to time and uh, it's it's best to lock her in here because for some reason, when she's locked in with us, it it calms her like she she's close to someone else so she doesn't freak out and pee. The the bad part about that is that when it's hot as it is right now, she is panting constantly. Like, loudly panting. Like, like there's a creepy like 37 year old dude outside of your window fogging up the glass with his panting panting (laughs) (laughs) crazy creepy I actually thought one time my son was like you know shaking hands with the sheriff in his bed because I just heard this like (laughs) repetitive sound and it it was my dog just panting in a weird way it's the craziest thing ever like woke up at three and I'm like dude you can't wait till (laughs) like right after I go to bed you gotta wait till the middle of the night and wake me up with your nonsense no it was my dog all my dog so Okay, I, I can I interrupt because I, I if your if your son is wanking off in the next room, <laughs> and you become aware of this, uh, first off, I'm gonna assume you would just leave him be and not humiliate him by saying anything. But how do you like not freak the hell out and just like have to leave the house and go for a very long drive? <laughs> just shaking my hands and head, going ew ew ew. <laughs> No, I, I don't. I don't care. I mean, it's it, the line for me. Like, yeah, I would never. <laughs> I would never like beat down his door. What are you doing? Um, that would be just terrible, <laughs> terrible. Uh, I honestly, I've suspected, but I don't. I still, to this day, don't know um, if he's gotten to that point in his life yet. But 
I don't equally, I, I don't care. As long as it's behind closed doors and none of us in his family have to stumble across any evidence of or anything <laughs> like that, then I'm happy not to have the confrontation about it. But if I did happen, like, you know, I'm, I'm telling him to brush his teeth or something and I open the door and he's in the middle of business, immediately I'd close the door and just say, uh, I want to talk to you as soon as you're finished and then explain to him, look, this is, this is something that you need to do in private meaning you need to take precautions so that it remains in private. Lock your door, turn up music, whatever you got to do, make sure that no one, not your sister, not me or your mom, walks in or has any evidence of it. And if he asks anything, then I'll be happy to answer it. But equally, like when I was going through that, I, my, I, I, my parents had to have known, but they never let up. They never talked to me about it. And... Though I have my doubts I've ended up okay, <laughs> I'm going to hedge my bets and say I'm all right. Maybe not okay, but all right about it. So I don't know. What would you do? What do you imagine you would do? I, like I said, I, I, because I, I don't have kids, I, I think I would freak the hell out. <laughs> Is your wiener? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, like, I guess everybody <laughs> that has kids has to go through this at some point. Cause I mean, every kid does it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think really the difference is whether or not you try to shove down their throats that it's evil and you shouldn't do it or you're just like keep it private keep it in the private confines of your life you know we we don't want the rest of the world does not want to experience this <laughs> expression of yours <laughs> i think you know those two different takes i don't know i don't know how else you could react to it like either you're just like that is bad jesus does not want you doing that don't do it or you're just like all right you know what let, maybe let's talk about what's happening, why it feels good, the biological side of things. Uh, you know, hopefully, it, by the time they're doing it, they've had some form of maturation education. Uh, hopefully, but in some parts of the country or the world, I don't know. Um, and hopefully, oh, here's the biggest thing. Hopefully, they haven't been abused so that they get that exposure to it. That's the worst case scenario. I would rather, I would much rather shove shame in someone's face than have them, you know, have them go through some form of abuse. That's, ew, that's a horrible side of it. Um, but unfortunately, like, for example, you know, this is bringing it home. I hope my cousin doesn't ever listen to this. Um, she was uh, sexually abused by her father. No one knows who my cousin is, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, just, but just for the discussion, it caused her to be much more sexually active much earlier than her peers because of that abuse. And so those boundaries, those lines that I think most people, if not discovering on their own, were told about, you know, uh, decent society does not behave in these ways or they do not do these things. I don't think she knew about, you know, she was sort of twisted early on. And unfortunately, I mean, hopefully she's dealt with it responsibly throughout her life. But when I knew her, she was still very much twisted up and messed up because of it. So I don't know, man, you know, my son is happy and healthy. And if that means that he's shaking hands with the sheriff in the middle of the night, so be it. As long as the door is closed and I don't have to hear or see it, <laughs> you know, do your thing. <laughs> so awkward. Yeah, I I suppose the only other possible reaction would just be head in the sand and pretend you didn't hear it. But then the kid's not going to know that you can hear it. 
you have to at some point say, hey, you know, your your bedroom's adjacent to mine and the walls aren't that thick. <laughs> <laughs> I've had the Quit opposite when you conversation do it. there. I've had one. Oh, this is so embarrassing where <clears throat> uh, my wife and I are wrapping it up and my son's like, dad, dad. And I'm like, you know, going over there. I'm like, what's up, man? He's like, I heard all this moaning like uh. <laughs> I was like no. uh, it was a movie you we were watching a movie I'm sorry you need to go to bed ignore it <laughs> like holy fuck my walls are thin like my wife I, I honestly I just want to take a pillow and like cover her face like stop our kids can hear us you are killing me <laughs> it's uh, it can be rough being in a family in a not so large house <laughs> You have to be uh, delicate and very church-like in your activities. Oh. <laughs> Just, shh, keep it down. <laughs> Simmer down. <laughs> Let's wait till they go to bed and hope they don't wake up because you're so goddamn loud, woman. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the um, worst we ever have is, you know, attracting the attention of the cats. <laughs> <laughs> Does that bug you when, when the animals, like, turn their heads like, what the, what is this? Well, we keep them out of the room, obviously, when we're going at it. But then they start clawing at the door and they want to get in because they know we're in there and something's going on. Sounds like fun is being had. Let us in. <laughs> Smart cats. <laughs> Little do they know they are yeah. excommunicated from this particular endeavor. Um, oh, yeah. By the way. It's August 2nd, everyone, and we have a great show for you this week. <laughs> I don't even think we said that yet. Great intro, man. Masturbation. All right. Um, <laughs> so before we start the show, uh, a couple notes I want to hit here. But first, we're going to open with a nine cents letter. Now, um, you all have responded saying you would like to have a little bit more back and forth between the nine cents letters and us giving our answers to them. So this episode, we're going to actually do this, and this is a, a direct response to the listener survey contest that we're running right now. Uh, and I'll get into that in just a second here. We're going to follow that up with a little something different with Heather Height, and this is a crossover. Yeah. Who is she crossing over with? I don't know. But you're going to find out shortly. And then we're going to do a little Between the Horns. Warlock Mandrake gave us episode six, What Would Satan do and of course Jesse's here the lovely Jesse's gonna give us another episode of her beloved I dream of Jesse episode 28 what is this one called desire how appropriate <laughs> our entire conversation oh it's fantastic well I'm uh, I'm uh, looking forward to that so before well, we start the show it's not, it's oh, not called why are my son's socks sticking so much <laughs> I love that you know that reference. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> what is wrong with your socks every time? They're just so crunchy. What the? Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, so and so everyone knows uh, we have started a contest. This is a nine cents listener survey contest. I announced it last week. It's been going for a week on social media. We've gotten quite a bit of response so far, uh, of which good and bad I here's let me hold on hold on, hold on let me uh, let me take a step back here for a second and speak just to the audience now look I understand you may not like hearing about my balls and my penis 
You have to tell me that in these responses. Like, I, I want a little easing into the disappointment. I have seen every single response, every single email come through from this contest. Whenever anyone's speaking about the contributor segments, it's, oh, I love this person because of this. Oh, I love that person because of that. Adam, can you maybe talk a little less about your penis? Not cool! Like, just get... I want a little love, too. That's all I'm saying. Alright, I understand you don't want to know about my he and my ha, but come on. You get, pass a little love my way, too. I got feelings. <laughs> Despite some of the other commentary I've gotten from you listeners saying uh, how big of a fat, wet pussy I am. <laughs> I have feelings. I like to hear that I'm doing something right, other than being a big, fat, wet pussy. <laughs> I, I love that that dude who, who sent that in is just like, yeah, bitch, yeah, he's commenting on my comment. Um, <laughs> I've gotten every single mention about any of uh, Jesse or Aaron or which Zafta, any of the contributors has been a 100% positive. Mine, not so much. I think if if there was like a rating scale of who is doing better or worse, I am the worst. <laughs> I'm the host. How can I be? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. No, well, I'm trying worst. to think now. The only the only contributor who ever mentions his genitals is a den, mm-hmm. and he's he, two and a half. Is that what he claims? <laughs> That's what he says, but I don't believe it. So Wait. you know, maybe maybe it's just you know you're 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 intimidating people with your girth oh, or something. I don't it. know. One and a half maybe that's all it is. People. Maybe you should take this as a compliment. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Okay, I'll spin that. I'll spin that. Um, yeah, but no, you. I, I encourage everyone, good and bad. I've gotten a really a lot of really 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 good feedback. One, of course, the nine cents letters, and that you all want to hear a little bit more back and forth between those uh, listeners who are contributing, which I absolutely understand and I can totally appreciate, which is why we're doing it this week. But also, uh, (laughs) here's the other complaint, aside from the genitalia, is the volume intensity at times. Like, I scream sometimes. And I'm just a passionate person. I try to keep my face the same distance from the microphone at all times, but my decibel levels, <laughs> decibel levels do tend to vary uh, depending on my passion level. They, they're directly uh, correlating here. Uh, I apologize for the screaming. A lot of people have been like, thank you so much for not having screamed recently. Uh, but apparently that's a point of contention because when you're listening to this in earbuds on the bus or at work and all of a sudden someone screams in your ear you tend to jump or you freak out in some way i get it i get it i'm a passionate person i i will try to scream less but on the off chance that i don't scream less i'm adding a speech volume leveler filter that will drop down the decibel level for your eardrum's sake. Uh, So again, I'm doing all this because you guys are responding. If there's other things that you want to hear, by all means, let me know. If there's things you don't want to hear, let me know. We are producing this podcast for you, the audience. We're not really getting anything out of it. So it's important that you appreciate what we're doing and we are willing to move in ways that... Uh, you appreciate more. Now, for those of you who has asked certain people never to appear on the show, that's not going to happen. Every single contributor to this show has my utmost uh, respect 
and trust. And that's not just to produce their segments, but that's also as being, uh, matter of fact, paragons of Satanism. Uh, and it's important that everyone understands that Satanists are not all alike, and we do vary greatly. And I think the the scope of contributors proves that uh, the contributors of nine cents very dramatically different people uh, applying and defining satanism in dramatically different ways but all tied to the core of what satanism truly is and that's what's so powerful about nine cents uh, in contrast to anything else out there um so i will never drop anyone i can't promise they won't leave me though <laughs> that's the one caveat to that um, so yes, please, nine cents podcast.com slash contributors. I don't even know what I'm saying. Slash contest. It's in every social media avenue out there. Click on the link. Let us know what you think, not only about the contributor segments, but about the existing nine cents specific segments that I deliver most of the time with co-hosts and also how nine cents represents Satanism, whether or not it's worth your time. I like to hear dissenting views, maybe a little bit more than I like congratulatory or appreciative views, because that's the only way I grow. Um, and that's really what we want to do. Certainly not only as producers of a podcast, but also as individual Satanists uh, speaking about uh, that religion that we all are so connected to. So it's important. Let us know what you think. Uh, enter the contest. And of course, if you do, you have the opportunity of winning one of three contributor, nine cents contributor t-shirts. Uh, very high quality. I've got my nephew doing them who is an amazing screen printer and you will absolutely love the fabric. I'm dropping a, a pretty heavy penny on the shirts so they should be really great quality. Uh, you have a chance of getting it just for letting us know what you think. Let us know what you think. All right, and then uh, one last thing before we start the show proper here with nine cents letters is I mean, Jesse, do you remember when we did the Get to Know the Voices of Nine Cents with you? I do. One-on-one, -on, -one, on camera, live discussion, solely consisting of listener questions and you answering them. Well, there's a lot of contributors now, nine specifically, and I can't promise every contributor is going to be okay with being on camera because, let's be honest, uh, Satanism does not demand martyrs, and some of us enjoy our anonymity. Uh, but for those who are willing, I would very much like to have them on camera, one-on-one, -on -one, live on YouTube with you, the contributors, speaking to us. And I'm going to do just that with Witch Zaftig this coming Saturday. That's right. I didn't put down the time. Oh my gosh. I didn't even put down the time. All right. Well, rather than uh, disrupting things, I'm going to post in the show notes tomorrow, but just know that if you have a question that you would like which Zaftig to answer, and this is literally anything, it does not have to be about her segment. It can be about her cats, whatever you want to ask her. <laughs> Anything. This is your opportunity to find out what makes Witch Zaftig tick. This Saturday in the evening at some hour. Oh, God, I forgot to write down the damn time. But it'll be in the show notes again. Send off your questions, info at 9centspodcast.com. Uh, this is going to be great. I hope you tune in live. It's going to be really wonderful. First and foremost, Witch Zaftig is a very beautiful woman. But more than that, she is incredibly intelligent. She delivers a commentary concise and 
poignant. It is powerful. You've all listened to our segment, Unorthodoxy, I can't even say it, with which Zafdig. This is your chance to get the same authority of delivery through your own personal questions live on the air. Tune in Saturday. This will not affect the regular release of uh, Normal Nine Cents podcast. All right. So uh, you want to, Jesse, you want to start a little Nine Cents uh, letters? Sounds good. All right. Though I am an active member, I do not speak for the Church of Satan. I was wondering uh, your opinion and Jesse's opinion on the differences, uh, if there are much of any, between uh, Satanism, atheism, and anti-theism. Uh, I have a few ideas myself. I was just curious as to yours. Nice. And then in the original context of your question, when you had sent in the email, it was around the idea of explaining it to friends that were not necessarily hostile to the idea of Satanism. Is that correct? Yeah, they they just didn't understand when I was explaining uh, Satanism to them. They then followed up with questions of, well, what's the difference between that and atheism or anti-theism or any number of things that are relatively close to the same belief. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, before we address it, could you give us maybe a little rundown of, of maybe the, the the beats that you delivered to them? Uh, I, I kind of explained it to them. Uh, they're not as... Uh, they haven't read any of LaVey's writings. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I should just say they haven't really read any writings on any of these subjects, period. <laughs> so I'm kind of the educator for them when it comes to things like this and when I had to, when I was describing uh, atheism to them they went back and said well wait a minute you that pretty much sounds exactly like what you described Satanism as and I had to I, I, I hate the example but uh, atheism is no I explained to them as atheism is knowing your primal five-year-old know how to fight untrained mind and Satanism is when you're more refined uh, trained with your thoughts uh, your actions etc interesting all right, so before uh, I'm going to ask Jesse to, to take this question on uh, first, but I wanted to extend a, a hearty thank you very much for shooting your nine cents letters over to us. Uh, I really do appreciate it. The interaction that we get from uh, individuals like you is really what makes this uh, original and special as a segment, but also in a greater sense as a podcast. So we really appreciate the opportunity to answer the question. Uh, Jesse, what do you think? What do you think about his example? And then what would you what would you say in that uh, in that situation? Um, well, as somebody who uh, ad- uh, identifies as an atheist, I don't think it's like a five-year-old mentality <laughs> thing about it. Um, and I know, you know, a lot of Satanists use the term atheist instead of atheist, and I, I don't have a problem with either. Um, the anti-theist is interesting. I mean, that to me is like that's not some that's not just not believing in a god or gods but that's like having a problem with people believing in gods or gods i think and i don't have a problem with people believing whatever they want to it's it's a matter of what gets them through the day uh 
the difference with Satanism is, okay, I, I start out as an atheist, but then I choose to also be religious despite not having any God or God to worship. Yeah. I, you know, at, the, at the very base level, that's the difference. Interesting. So do you see any connection between what the general masses would imagine an atheist being or behaving like and what an anti-theist would behave like? Oh, yeah. I, I wish Zaftig did a whole thing on atheism as a religion that's mm -hmm. completely relevant here. And I, I won't try to address it as I could never address it as deeply as she does. But <laughs> yeah, the, the term atheism is becoming like a political movement or, or has already become a political movement. And most mm -hmm. of the people in that are really anti-theists and not just atheists. And there's a whole, you know, it's it's like atheism and secular humanism are becoming equated and and they're not. Atheism should just mean you don't believe in a god or gods. Hmm. I guess I'm yeah, a, a purist on the definition there. Yeah. I, I'm not entirely sure the majority of people, certainly not the majority of people I've met personally, who do identify as atheists would believe that it's it's that stripped down. Like, everyone I know, and I don't know if it's just maybe the times that they, you know, the generation they were raised in or how how motivated they are individually politically, but there's always a movement behind what they do, whether it's uh, trying to assault and attack uh theists or if it's just trying to spread the good word about atheism <laughs> there, there always seems to be a little bit more than simply not identifying with the idea of a greater spiritual being to me um matt do you mind if i ask you and you're a satanist correct yes do you self-identify as an atheist as well uh oh feel of Satanism. Uh, that's what I go to. If I think I'm a around a little more educated crowd and they can handle the ideas or understand and grasp the ideas, I, I tell them that I, I'm a Satanist because they understand what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that could really eat up an entire evening trying to explain to people who have that's, no idea. Yeah, that's the problem. I do like uh, the context of the question that you brought up because you're around friends who may not necessarily even really understand the idea of atheism or uh, certainly not Satanism and how, how one could differentiate between the two. Because at this moment, it's not an aggressive thing. It's a really simple back and forth q &A. And, and, and this is how I've approached it my entire life with people outside of my immediate family who are fucking crazy and they absolutely uh, just don't want to believe anything anyone says because Satan is real and he will, you know, and that type of crowd. But um, I, I genuinely, and, and I've said this probably ad nauseum on the podcast, I don't identify as an atheist because the, uh, in our, you know, sort of, uh, 
hyper-political vernacular atheism definitely is equated to activism uh, by a lot of people. And so because of that, I don't really want to be associated with people that are activist atheists, or as I like to refer to them, and militant atheists. Um, I very much use the term atheist because it creates a strict separation between atheists and Satanists. And, and, and the difference, or, or the way that I would explain, um, is probably similar to the way that um, most people would explain it, in that atheism uh, is not believing in a greater being. Atheists believe in a greater being. They believe in a being who has dominance over their life outside of random chaos and acts of, uh, you know, random uh, <laughs> madness of the universe, and that is themselves. They, you know, they do everything they can to have control of their lives. So, though, in on a personal level, I don't know any atheists who do not think they have control of their life or act as they have control of their life, but, but the philosophical difference at the very base, at the very word go, is different in that instead of saying I don't believe, it is I do believe. I believe in myself and the authority that I command over my life. And so I think that's a really good place to start whenever trying to explain the difference between atheism and Satanism. Um, Jesse, do you mind if I ask, what are some of the other beats you would hit uh, that you would give people when trying to explain the difference between a Satanist and an atheist? What separates them rather than uh, makes them similar? Um, well, I think it, it, first off, I just wanted to comment on one thing that you said, because while I like, I don't have a problem with the term atheist. I don't think throwing it out to the to the masses helps because yeah. you just need to explain that. And if you're going to explain atheist, you may as well explain Satanism. You're not what? saving yourself any time, is yeah. what I. Um, but it, going back to what you just said there, to, to differentiate atheism and Satanism, at that point, I kind of have to back off my very strict definition of atheism and start talking about what atheism kind of means today. And I get what you're saying, because I like I used to call myself a feminist and that just means so much different now than it used to that I don't call myself <laughs> yeah. that anymore. Yeah. I will probably eventually have to drop atheism, too. But anyway, so <laughs> if I if I talk about, OK, the difference between atheism and Satanism, I would probably bring up like Richard Dawkins as an example of atheism and take his version of atheism, which I think is anti-theist, mm -hmm. and say, okay, well, you know, he's he's got this science background and science gives him this level of certainty in his life and he finds that comforting. And so anything that goes beyond what's scientifically known is uncomfortable to him and so he doesn't want that to be recognized you know he wants to he, he doesn't like anything that's not scientific i don't have that kind of a hang up i'm okay with things being uncertain in life i also i'm, I'm at a disadvantage here because i've never really tried to explain explain satanism to anybody wow. if anything i avoid the conversations wow so i don't know if we do this because we it's more of a common ground and it's an easier way of explaining our position. But I think traditionally what we do is rather than saying, um, especially with people that you respect or you love or you care for in some way, rather than saying Satanism is this, we tend to say, well, this is what atheism is or atheists 
think or believe, and this is our take on it. So it, it's it's like softening a blow almost, in my opinion. Um, and there's no right or wrong about it. You know, either way, I'm just it, I'm making a mental note that it's an interesting take of, well, what's the difference between atheism and Satanism? Well, this is what atheism is, you know, <laughs> rather than saying, well, this is what Satanism is. Um, and I don't know if there's any conscious reason for it or not, but it, I, I found myself doing it in the same way, and I think it is maybe a way of softening the blow, because let's be honest, there are, you know, there's this really wonderful essay put out there, uh, Satan is the most feared religion, there's a reason for that, it's because of all the lies, uh, perpetuating of, of untruths surrounding the idea, I mean, the entire satanic panic was uh, based around this, of, of what Satanism was supposed to be rather than what it is, and so maybe when we're, whenever we're trying to talk about it, we're trying to sort of ease into the back door of that conversation. Well, we understand what you think it is, so I'm going to explain what it is a little bit differently so as not to directly assault what you believe is true. You know, just a little lesser magic in the delivery, as it were. Um, so, uh, Matt, do you mind if I ask you really quick, uh, what were some of the differences specifically in Satanism that you uh, delivered uh, to your friends to separate it from atheists? Uh, more, some more of the uh, the belief systems, the 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 thought exercises to, for the rituals. Uh, I, atheism is more more broad term, easier for them to understand. Where when uh, the other comes up, it becomes a lot more complicated with uh, uh, trying to get them to wrap their heads around it when. It's the first time they've ever heard it. Uh, for me, it's just, uh, I'd say, a grade level or two up from atheism. And I agree, I, atheism is a, a great term, uh, not used enough. Yeah, and I mean, to, to Jesse's point um, just a second ago in that, you know, if, if you're going to take the time to explain atheists, then you might as well take the time to explain Satanists because it's sort of one and the same. And I would say that the only time you would use the difference if you're never going to bring up the idea of Satanism, if it's if it's in a position where you don't want to say Satanism and you just want to explain how you think, atheism would be a good, or atheist would be a good way to go rather than outing yourself. Um, because let's be honest, not everyone is comfortable with outing themselves. And, and in every situation, you really shouldn't. I mean, you, you, we're supposed to be smart about this and, and under understand the world we live in and the, the environment that we're in. Um, so some of the major beats that I would like to hit on the differences, and I've delivered this to my nephew and to my half-sister that I recently came in contact with here, um, and it's that rather than focusing on what atheists think, I like to focus on how how I see the world. And rather than taking the aggressive language that Anton LaVey was really fantastic in delivering through the Satanic Bible and a lot of his writings, like in The Devil's Notebook, uh, I take a little bit of a softer approach. Again, a little bit of lesser magic and delivery here. And that is, um, I believe in mankind at its core, you know, obviously we're referencing ultimately the nine Satanic Statements, uh, is 
just like every other creature on the planet. We have elevated ourselves because of our intellect and our um, uh, ingenuity, but the reality is, is we are bound within the laws of nature just like anyone else, and there's no great mom or dad waiting to let us out of it. We have to take responsibility in knowing that, is that we are responsible for our actions and for how we make other people feel and how we manipulate the world around us. Now, sometimes those responsibilities are really good. They are great. Sometimes they're really bad and we have to own up to it and learn from it. So for me, the biggest difference between Satanism and virtually anything else is that it is abject human truth. This is how humans are. We are hypocritical. We love to create and we love to destroy and we don't apologize for it. We may learn from it, but this is who and what we are. We are animals. The biggest difference is that we celebrate, we recognize, and we encourage the ritualistic side of what it means to be a human being. And I think this is a really, really important part of what it means to be a Satanist. Certainly, lesser magic is the, the primary tool that any Satanist would ever use. It, personal aesthetics, having a sense of who you are as an individual is incredibly important. But being able to manipulate the world around you, to own up to the reality that human beings love ritual, and that to use it in your own way takes you back to what your ancestors did and who they were. It, it connects you with what it means at a primal level to be a human being. And celebrating, recognizing and celebrating that is core to what it is to be a Satanist. Instead of trying to sterilize what it means to be human, as in my opinion, I don't mean to offend anyone, as an atheist, I celebrate what it means to be human. I don't deny our history, whether good or bad, or who we are, whether good or bad. And I think that's a, for me, that's a good point of, of uh, differentiation. Um, anything else you wanted to hit on, Jesse, that, that you think? Yeah, you know, I mean, you mentioned it all comes down to the nine satanic statements, and I was I was thinking that one time I, I was kind of pressed to explain Satanism was actually when I told my sister I was a Satanist, and I started to go through those statements and I realized, well, if I mention this one, it's going to bring up family <laughs> issues. And if I mention that one, it's going to bring up family issues. So then I switched to the pentagonal revisionism and yeah. then I just finally started. Well, here's what I do. <laughs> this this like is what it means for back. me. <laughs> It is interesting because we do soften the blow, right? I mean, just in the way that you were explaining, like, oh, I can't bring that up because it'll bring this up, and I can't talk about that because it'll talk about this. I mean, it becomes a real challenge explaining who and what we are, especially to people who we think really genuinely want to know, but for their sake, and maybe just for the headache that we would incur trying to, you know, fight our way through the explanation, it's just not worth it. So, uh, I, Matt, do you think that um, your friends had a solid grasp of uh, what it meant at the end of the discussion? Uh, they, by the end of the discussion, they have a solid grasp on uh, atheism, but very few of them have a clue, any clue, what a Satanist truly believes. They instantly go back to all the stuff you're mentioning about the satanic panic and stuff yeah. and I don't feel like I have to defend that uh, imaginary movie world that they've seen 
yeah, versus, no. the, versus the real one that they know next to nothing if just plain nothing about. Yeah. In the same way that I, I um, argue for uh, participating in the greater standard conversation, you often we find ourselves needing to do the same thing with our friends and family when they refuse to acknowledge uh, the definitions or the descriptions that we're giving about Satanism, we just have to, you know, sum it up to, well, you know what, you're going to see how I behave through life. You're going to see how I, how I uh, act in my life and the responsibilities I take upon myself, the successes that I see uh, from my goals that I've set and achieve. And that is going to be the best definition of Satanism for them because they're not going to for a lot of people, they're just not going to want to hear that it's not this dark evil Satan in the basement of hell trying to corrupt your human heart. They, they're so close to that idea, they just don't want to let it go. And that's, you know, that's them whatever. Let them do whatever they want. As long as we collectively understand that that's not important. Their understanding is not central to who and what we are. It is not important it means nothing. What's important is how we see ourselves, how we interact in our lives, how we manipulate our environment in order to benefit our lives, and at the end of the day, how we feel about what we do and what we've done. What we've learned from it in the process. So, uh, Matt, thank you so much for the question. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us about it. I really appreciate it, man. Hey, uh, thank you for letting me be a part of Nine Cents. Absolutely. Uh, well, hey, until we can chat again, hail Satan. Hail Satan. Something different with Heather Height on Nine Cents. This week, we're going to have a very special episode of Nine Cents. It's going to be a romantic episode all about relationships and love because. And I Nazis. Have, I, was, I wanted to say about Nazis. I wanted to say the Nazi part. Sure. <laughs> blew it. So, the, we're going to, yeah, we're going to talk about what. This is my husband, Magister Harris, and we're going to talk about the things that all couples discuss, like Nazi cam girls. Yes. Uh, Nazi cam girls do bring couples together. But no, the reason we're discussing this today, um, I just happened to catch this little social justice tantrum erupt on the Twitter. 
yesterday evening. Uh, apparently, there was a, a young cam girl uh, whose Twitter handle is at Olivia for Naked, if you care to look her up. At Olivia for Naked. At Olivia for Naked. And she was on the website myfreecams.com giving a Nazi SS strip show. It was adorable. Yes. And she was pulling in upwards of three to $5,000 an hour doing this show. And... Oh boy, did the social justice community have a problem with this. Or cam girls who are hating. That is also a possibility. <laughs> that is Wah, a- we're not making as much money as the Nazi chick. Wah. Which sort of begs the question, because what ended up happening is a number of people ended up reporting this show as a violation of MFC's terms of service, and the show was shut down with uh, with no word either way if, as to whether or not this girl is going to get to keep her money. She, maybe she will, maybe she won't. I don't know. I haven't heard anything. Question that it, it was under the regulation of being racist. Yes. They don't allow racism. But was it racist? Is it racist to play with Nazi imagery? And more importantly, who the fuck cares? What makes two or more consenting adults come is between them. And I wonder if we took like a demographic of the uh, highest, her biggest audience is probably Hasidic men. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> except for they're not allowed on the on computers. They would never be on a computer. Never mind. There, <laughs> race play in pornography and in in fetish in the fetish world is gigantic. And Nazi porn is awesome. <laughs> and plus, if you're, in a way, I mean, how much would Hitler have hated that? This girl, <laughs> and not, not a whole uniform, just a jacket and a hat, you yeah. know, and a swastika armband, and, and her little titties popping out. And she was so cute. And then she runs up to the thing and she's all excited that she made money. And I don't think that... And she's a little ethnic looking. Hitler would hate that. If anything, <laughs> she's making a mockery of, of the Nazi party and Hitler. Which and, is what she was claiming to be doing. She was claiming to be mocking the, the Nazi culture. Ain't which, no claiming about it. Yeah. <laughs> she totally... It was, she was not honoring them at all <laughs> I had a friend an old listener of, uh, of hate speech radio chimed in on a discussion that I'd started about this and he said he's like well I'm German I don't know what the fuck she's saying it's her it's gibberish it just sounds German I can't make it out she was probably just making German noises yeah which is even more <laughs> if anything she's being racist against Germans <laughs> but the point is for years, it was, dis- it was thought that at least, at the very least, pornography was the final bastion of free speech. You could do or say anything between consenting adults to make each other get off. For instance, oh no, there's a Negro in my dot dot dot. <laughs> Those movies are fantastic. Yeah. This is wonderfully, Favorites. wonderfully racist, uh, black-on-white cuckold pornography. Uh, called Oh No, There's a Negro in My Fill-in-the-Blank Daughter, mother, Wife, daughter, Mother. Yeah. Um, and they're hilarious. And they're just ridiculously racist and funny and, and 
produced by black adult film producers. Yes. Um, so that seems to be that falls under the guise of acceptability in in modern society. What? Where is where is the cutoff? Where is what? At what point? Does the social justice community deem something racist? Oh, at the lowest possible, as soon as possible. That's when the social justice people deem something racist. That's that's a low bar. Like, is that what we're really going with? I mean, is that it's not up to them? Are we gonna? How the question is, how long do you let it go until we're sick of this and people stop pandering to these assholes that decide to cry fucking racism or rape or sexism or whatever the fuck they're offended by? You know, at the drop of a hat. Like, when is that gonna stop happening? Um, you see, you see a backlash now. The backlash is starting. The the people who have been ostracized uh, by social justice are starting to to fight back. Uh, people people who have been you know, drummed out of their mainstream entertainment jobs are now finding a place on the internet and are literally paving their own way and creating entertainment that gives the middle finger to the social justice community. And it's wonderful. It's, I think it's a, it's a very positive turn that we're seeing where the free market is legitimately dictating what should and should not make money because now these people are going out and being complete entrepreneurs and doing it themselves and they're making money. Yeah. So, so the whole notion... <clears throat> it harkens back... Uh, to to a very fav- a very favorite clip of mine, a very uh, you know, comedian Patrice O'Neill uh, debating with uh, uh, now spokesperson Sonia Osario. Oh, she still she didn't go hide under a rock somewhere after that. That was a yeah, who just <laughs> completely and this woman was completely eviscerated by comedian Patrice O'Neill. I would have killed myself. <laughs> she probably should have that's not nice no she probably should have killed herself <laughs> um, with regards to the fact that you know the social justice community really is just the PC police run amok and she touted that this was in fact the free market making these dictates when in fact there was absolutely no sign of the free market doing this what was going on where people who were not even partaking in this product anyway were suddenly being told that they should be upset by it. And the, what, how this snowballs is through large, l- large corporate interests who own large segments of broadcast media who may not, you know, the people complaining obviously are not partaking of this one particular flavor of their product, but they are of another. And they may threaten to boycott that product if this other product continues to be put out by this company. And that's when you have corporations deciding that their bottom line is more important than art, which you know can be argued. Yeah, but corporations aren't the only people aren't the only sources for money making in the entertainment industry anymore. This is true, and which is why which I encourage why. everybody who wants to create art that's a little bit dangerous, a little bit edgy, a little bit against the mainstream, don't look to Hollywood. Don't look to um, 
Clear Channel. Don't look to Comcast, it's certainly NBC. Not Clear Channel. Do it yourself. You got an idea? Just do it. Just the cost of purchasing the materials to create most media has be it's become affordable to the average person instead of sitting around complaining that you know everybody's opinion has to be broadcast on the internet and wow these people are fucking getting their way and just make your opinion broadcast on the internet just <laughs> you, no create your art as disgusting and as offensive as it might be and just put it out there yourself and promote it. In this day, you have to be equal parts artist and entrepreneur. You have to be, you have to be the showman and the huckster simultaneously. That's how you get dangerous art into the workplace, into the marketplace, I should say, in 2015. And if somebody asks you to apologize, say no. That's the other big thing. Yeah, that's, and that's the other caveat of doing it yourself. Someone gets offended, demands you can, demands that you apologize. Tell them to go fuck yourself. That's it. It's wonderful, and that's ten minutes. <laughs> that's all. You're like ten minutes. I'm done. That's it. All right. Well, one week I've been back, and and already I'm, I'm getting asked. To I'm roping shows. you in. Well, you know it doesn't count because you live here and you're at my beck and call. So I I get I get you if I want you, yes. mostly. <laughs> All right. This has been another segment of something different with Heather Height on Nine Cents. You can find me at Heather Height at Yahoo.com and Heather Height on Facebook and at Heather Height on Twitter. Um, I'll see you next week. Hail Satan. Did you ever want to sell your soul to the devil? Have all your wildest dreams become reality? Just sign in blood on the dotted line. Of course, not everyone can find the crossroads, so let me make it easy for you. Tune in every month to Nine Cents, and I'll bring you Down to the Crossroads. We'll discuss the blues, the devil, and everything in between. Down to the Crossroads with your host, Aaron Casabaugh. Every month, only on NineCentsPodcast.com. Satanism demands study, not worship, and I'm looking for a few outstanding study partners. So put on your thinking horns with me, Warlock M.A. Mandrake. It's time to read Between the Horns. The title of this number is What Would Satan Do? In every situation, I ask myself, what would Satan do? And the answer is always, Satan would do his very best. Okay, I don't really ask myself that question. Well, not often. That would be silly. But that is the essence of the Satanic ethic. Looking at the figure of Satan from a truly Satanic point of view, we find the personification of our principles. 
Satan would reject any god above himself. That's what we do. Satan would demand justice. That's what we do. Satan would have fun. Who does that? That's right, we do. Not to get all religion-y on you, but our entire framework originates in this question. What would Satan do? In fact, that's what distinguishes us Satanists from the devil worshippers. While they're worshipping the myth, we're emulating its values. And it's not a formulaic platitude, nor a commandment or compulsion. It's what we do naturally, and a reminder of what we are at our very best. Why personify these values? Because it's stimulating to have a symbol that not only encapsulates our philosophy, but is also relatable. That's why we utilize satanic imagery. Devils, which are usually depicted as hybrids of man and beast, represent our carnal nature. Man as just another animal. The sigil of Baphomet, simultaneously figurative and abstract, grounds the ritual chamber's esoteric intrigue in purely animalistic emotionalization, which is the whole point of satanic ritual. These are both examples of our philosophical principles evocatively rendered to reinforce their emotional appeal. That's Satanism for you. Speaking from my own experience, the manifold aspects of Satan keep me balanced. When I'm getting too grim, serious, or stoic, Satan is the grinning satyr reminding me to have fun. When I'm feeling too lazy for my own good, Satan is the Miltonian anti-hero rousing me to action. Yep, Satan is my role model. He inspires me to be the best me I can be. Remember, we're not just doing stuff. We are doing stuff as Satanists. That means there's more to it. While I'm on this topic, I'll add that it also means there's no such thing as a non-practicing Satanist. Sure, we are something of an ethnic identity. Even so, you're either a practicing Satanist or you're not. You either is or you ain't. Is you is or is you ain't Satanic. What we Satanists bring to our endeavors is keen awareness, exacting standards, and the pursuit of pleasure or other fulfillment in everything we do. Sure, anyone with a functioning brain and at least partially functioning body can do the same, but to us, these are sacraments. In the Satanic Bible, Magus LeVay addresses a common question. Why even have a religion in the first place, if all you do is what comes naturally anyway? Why not just do it? The answer, in short, is that we enhance our carnal lives through evocation. As I often say, one of the greatest strengths of Satanism is that its practice can appear entirely secular while being sacred to the individual Satanist. When the average person says, I watch reality television religiously, it's just a saying. But when a Satanist says, I watch the Twilight Zone marathon religiously, it's the devil's honest truth. This, of course, is not limited to discriminating tastes in television shows. 
That's a relatively trivial example. These ostensibly secular epiphanies occur most intensely when we do stuff, when we exercise our unique talents, whatever they are, to the very best of our abilities. A Satanist doesn't believe in Satan. A Satanist is Satan, living as any real devil would. So when I ask you, fellow Satanist, what would Satan do? The answer is probably whatever you are doing right now. Until next time, this is Warlock M.A. Mandrake saying, Hail Satan! Jesse! What do you want? Well, first, Jesse, I'd, I'd, I'd like you to dress me as master. I, I am your master, after all. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yes, master. That's better. Now, look, I've got guests coming over tonight, and I want you to entertain them. What, do I look like a belly dancer? Oh, I, I assume that was part... I mean, the outfit, it, it kind of suggests... You may be used to dance. Listen, the gin put me in the bottle. He forgot to add the preservatives. Now, the outfit may be wrinkle-free, but what in it ain't. You don't like it? Call the number on the bottle and complain. Greater magic requires powerful emotions. The sights, the sounds, the smells, they're all supposed to bring about strong feelings to create a, the cathartic moment. And what moves us is different for everyone. I love coming across collections of photos of Satanists' altars because they're all so different. I mean, yes, there are common elements, but there's also a great deal of individualism on display. On the one hand, these photos are great for sharing ideas. You know, maybe you never considered plastic movie action figures around an altar. But if, someone, if seeing someone else use them moves you, use it. On the other hand, these photos can be useful for understanding what doesn't work. Imagine a picture of someone's altar and visible at the edge of the frame is a laundry basket. Kills the mood, right? Imagery is important. Action figures may or may not interest you, but a laundry basket will kill it for anyone. With imagery, I think it's easy to know when something isn't working. It may not be so easy to tell when something isn't working when it comes to desire. Desire is even more important than, Im than imagery. Asking yourself if you really want your is to be sets up a false dichotomy. Life is rarely that black or white. Between wanting your is to be and not wanting it are shades of gray known as ambiguity. And ambiguity destroys magic. The tricky but the tricky bit about ambiguity is you may not realize it's there until you're in the ritual. If you're an airhead like me, and by that I mean a three o'clock air type with a tendency to overthink things, or maybe I mean a dumb blonde, I don't know. But if you're an airhead like me, you might think about the goal intellectually outside of the chamber and emotionally in the chamber, except you find you aren't as emotional as you thought you'd be. Let me throw out an example so we have a, a goal to work with. The goal is to become stinking rich. If you're already stinking rich, well, think of something else. But for the rest of us, let's say we're going to ritualize becoming stinking rich. I'm talking fuck off cash. <laughs> of course, there's the balance factor. 
But could I ask you all to pretend for a few minutes that LaVey didn't write about the balance factor and that you would have no reason to think that a ritual to get stinking rich couldn't work? Just indulge me and pretend that for a few minutes. It's not that I think it's unimportant. The balance factor ties in directly to what I'm talking about. But I think if I explain this from the angle of desire, it will make more sense. So the balance factor doesn't exist. It's all about desire. We all love money. And baby, we're all going to get stinking rich. So let me ask you, is our hypothetical is to be a means or an end? Unless you collect money like people collect stamps, where a misprint will make one dollar bill worth more to you than another, then having fuck off cash is an end is is not an end. It's only a means. It's not what you really want. Let's say you've got a kid every music teacher is saying should be in Juilliard, and you've got a husband who can't who has to wrench on his car every night in order to make sure he'll get to work the next day, or a wife up late washing clothes in the sink because the washing machine broke and you can't afford to repair or replace it. Being stinking rich would help resolve these issues. So maybe you do a ritual to get stinking rich, but the cash is just the means. What you want, what you truly desire, is to avoid the pain of seeing your child's talents squandered, or to avoid the pain of watching your spouse's time get eaten, eaten away. These are imaginary problems and desires, but just by suggesting them, even if you don't have any kids or spouse, can you already feel the difference between wishing for fuck off cash and wishing to not see a gifted child's talents squandered? If you have any heart at all, those feel different. And greater magic is all about how you feel. So if your is to be is a means, not an end, figure out the true end first. This will be the one that you do not feel at all ambiguous about, like wanting to avoid the pain of seeing a gifted child reduced to mediocrity due to your inability to create opportunity. Does that sound harsh? I've got another one for you. Real life goal here, because for a while I was focusing on money until I realized it was a means. And when I looked at my actual end goal, I found that it was to be able to care for my aging mother without the burden of having her live with us. Now, just saying that makes me sound like an asshole. But that's another way to tell when you found what your true desire is, when things get dark and uncomfortable. With the new true goal in mind, we next, next we want to find a new means of attaining it. Why you want to figure out the new means is because the old means, getting stinking rich, didn't produce as strong an emotion as the new ends. Your feelings on getting stinking rich are ambiguous. And even if the ritual is now about creating opportunity for a child, if the only way you know how to do that is to do something you feel ambiguous about, it's going to impact your emotional state. Whenever you don't love or hate something, there's ambiguity. And that's not a bad thing. It's entirely natural. It's just something you want to avoid in ritual. If you're wondering why you would feel ambiguous about being stinking rich, I don't know. Maybe you don't. I do, and I'll give you my reason. When I think of having fuck off cash, I think of working long hours doing things I dislike and sacrificing fun time to get it. That's not a path I want to walk. I'm busy enough as it is, the last thing I want to do is work more hours. You might think of having fuck off cash as meaning catering to the masses rather than being true to yourself, and that's not a path you want to walk. Or maybe you think of having fuck off cash means brown nosing people you despise, and that's not a path you want to walk. Give, in, give the mind a will and the mind will find a way, consciously or unconsciously, it's always working things out. And when I try to will myself more money, the way my mind finds is long hours of unpleasant work. 
Incidentally, if I had a better attitude, I'd probably make more, but that's another topic. <laughs> a good way to understand the relationship between ends and means in ritual is to visualize a trapezoid-shaped altar with some physical representation of your desire on top of it. Another Satanist once commented on the shape of the trapezoid and its use in ritual. I think it was Reverend Bill M., but I couldn't find the quote to confirm that. My apologies if I'm misattributing it. But the damned insightful idea that I really want to repeat is that the shape of the trapezoid resembles a path. Imagine a paved road going from one house to another viewed top down. It's a rectangle. Now imagine the street view you would have if you were standing on the road at the first house looking down the road at the other. The road is now shaped like a trapezoid. Our brain still understands it's a rectangle, but our eyes see a trapezoid. If your altar is shaped like a trapezoid and your is-to-be is represented by something on top of your altar, your eyes are seeing a path to your goal. Are you focusing on the path? No, you're focusing on the goal, but the path is still there in the periphery. If you feel negatively about the path, forget the goal. You won't achieve it because your brain is telling you, I don't like this path, let's avoid it. If you come up with a second path that leads to the same goal that your brain does like because it's not painful and hell, maybe it's even fun, well, that's different. So maybe instead of worrying over how to pay for Juilliard, you think how much pain you'll be avoiding seeing your child's ta talent squandered if you trade your Xbox for the neighbor's piano. He'll think it's a steal. Get that clunker out of the house and he gets to play games all day? Hell yeah, he'll take you up on it. And perhaps a local music teacher will trade off tutoring time if you mow her lawn. Give the brain a will and it will find a way. And it can get pretty creative. Now you might associate some pain to this new path, like the game you started but won't ever finish. But there will also be some pleasure. The pleasure of giving your child an opportunity. Contrast that with the guilt and shame of failing your child and your brain will quickly tell you which path it thinks it should go down. A good path doesn't have to get you all the way. It just has to get you moving in the right direction. And it has to be something you will want to do. Get it into your head, visualize yourself doing it, visualize it working, then stop thinking about it. Go do something else. Think about your goal the next day. Do you feel differently? If not, you didn't convince yourself. You're still associating a painful path with the goal. Come up with a more convincing path that's not painful. Get your brain to associate a fun path with the goal, one you will travel down for the pleasure of doing so, or at least get your brain to see working towards the goal as less painful than not working towards it. Got that in your head? Good. Now go ritualize. In ritual, you don't want to be focusing on the trapezoid. Ritual isn't for thinking things out, it's for feeling things out. The part of your brain that brought in ambiguity before is still there, but now it's bringing you positive vibes that enhance the ritual. When the, emotional, when the emotional you wants the goal and the intellectual you accepts the path, the is-to-be is only a matter of time. And that would have been a really great line to end the segment on. It's not the end, though, <laughs> but I think it's a great line, so I'm going to repeat it. When the emotional you wants the goal and the intellectual you accepts the path, the is-to-be is only a matter of time. Thanks, I feel better now. <laughs> now, the reason I didn't want to close out with that was because I asked you all earlier to pretend that there was no such thing as the balance factor. There is, of course, and the segment would, if the segment depended on it not existing, it wouldn't be much of a segment. So let me address the balance factor. If I'm ritualizing about getting stinking rich, that's a very far cry to where, from where I am now. 
I'm middle of the middle class. I have no rich relatives, and I don't play the lottery. If I will myself to find a way to become stinking rich, no easy, painless paths come to mind, and no magic happens. When you desire something far beyond your means, your brain knows it. There's a different feeling you get lusting after something attainable versus lusting after something unattainable. When it's in your grasp, the desire is stronger, more urgent. You may not be looking at the trapezoid, but your subconscious mind is working things out, and either it's either saying, well, that's a fairly short commute, let's go, or that path is endless and we'll never make it, let's just stay here. So yes, the balance factor exists, and it, in, its impact on ritual lies in its impact on our feelings of desire. Before closing this out, there's one more thought I want to leave you with, which is, which is better? creating the opportunity for the child or being the sort of person who's capable of creating opportunities for a child. On one side of this issue, your intellectual self needs to have a workable, relatively painful path to travel. On another side of this issue, your emotional self needs to unambiguously desire your goal. On a third side of this issue, the whole point of creating and is to be is to put ourselves on a better path, to become the sort of people who can have what we desire. Thank you. Oh my goodness, Jesse! <laughs> I, 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 I feel like I'm in a boxing match with someone that has so outclassed me. It is uh, not even fair. I. <laughs> it is so nice that you, I, you are so relatable in your delivery. You you deliver complex ideas in a digestible way. Okay, that sounded weird once I said it out loud. <laughs> I think that the, the the sense of what I'm saying is is taken here. Um, <clears throat> this is an idea that I don't think anyone that I have ever spoken with directly has taken into consideration, which is why I think it's so important. And I think the audience needs to understand. I don't, <laughs> I'm reacting solely on the delivery of these segments. I don't read them. I don't hear them. I don't know what they're about until you hear them at the same time I do. So, so your, uh, your excitement is, is shared uh, with mine here. Um, I don't know anyone that's ever thought of that. Uh, is it a means or is it an end? You know, often when I think of ritual, you know, I'm thinking in terms of I I want this or I want to help this or yeah, I honestly have only done a destruction ritual once, but I want this destruction to happen. I can't ever think I, I've never actually taken the time to think, is this a step toward a greater end that I'm looking for or is this the end? I think yeah, it's a brilliant conversation to have. I'm sorry, really quick. I think it's a brilliant conversation to have whether or not you should be ritualizing if it's not an end. Like, if it's just a means to an end, should you be using lesser magic to get to that? And then if the end is unattainable through lesser magic, should you then be using greater magic or does it matter? Well, if you're, if you're doing a ritual, and let's say it's, it's a means one, and you're doing a ritual for it, that kind of already indicates that you're having trouble getting it using yeah. normal means, right? And if it's just a means, well, fuck it. Find a different means. <laughs> <laughs> you know, rethink your strategy because the one you're working, yeah. if it's not working, if you have to ritualize it, 
there's probably an easier way. That calls back to something um, I read from um, Anton LaVey. And for the life of me at the moment, I cannot think of the essay. I believe it's in The Devil's Notebook, where he says, um, <laughs> Why do you think Satanic Bible? I'm totally talking on my ass. Um, if. Uh, if you try and fail, try again. Uh, try and fail again, you find a different way. Um, if at first you don't succeed, try again, essentially. But instead of continually hitting your head against the wall, at some point you have to reevaluate the navigation of said wall. You have to look at the, the, the way that you're approaching the problem and maybe take some time, take a step back and figure a different way around it. Figure out, well, maybe the method I'm using isn't working, so I shouldn't waste my time and energy and be counterproductive in doing this one way. And this calls exactly back to what you were just speaking to. Um, if you, you were talking about the, the imagination, the, the human mind, and how if you just give an opportunity, we can find a, a, an alternate path, a different way to the end. And I, I think that's in a, a precise correlation to what uh, uh, Anton LaVey was speaking to in that uh, little saying, is that sometimes it's hard because we're in the middle of it. We are actively in the middle of our lives. We are engaged 100% with what is happening with us. But if you can just take a step back when you find a challenge that you are unable to overcome, and just take a step back and reevaluate it. I think, I think the best of us, when we do this, just as you were saying, Jesse, we do find another way. And I, if our if our judgment of what's better or worse is based upon the success, then it is inevitably always a better way to approach the problem. And no, we're not always going to see it at first. But uh, if we give ourselves, if we afford the opportunity to ourselves, I mean, we may be able to overcome whatever obstacles in front of us. I, I think that's brilliant. And I've never seen it the way that you spoke to it. So uh, thank you. That's awesome. Thanks. It makes sense why you were getting all the praise and I was getting all of the shit. <laughs> In this context. Once did I mention my genitals. <laughs> oh. My bloody meat flour. Is that what it's? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that would be a den speaking. Not <laughs> that is not how I see it. I was just thinking when you're saying, I was like, oh, but I wish you would. Up until the point you said bloody meat flour. Then I was like, oh, <laughs> fucking a den tainting that idea. Um <laughs> See, there you go, bringing taint to it. <laughs> oh, my God. I love I'm that a... I can take this podcast in an intellectual direction, and then we can just bring it straight back into the gutter within a minute. Seconds later, within a breath, <laughs> it is like, I am so amazed. What the fuck just happened? In the same, like, just half a second. is brilliant. Uh, how about you tell the good folks listening where they can find a little bit more about Jesse online? Uh, they can visit my blog, which is drafts for my satanic windbag.wordpress.com. They can find me on Facebook as Jesse Twain, uh, or they can email me at idojesse at gmail.com. Brilliant. I, I want to do another get to know with you just for fun, just so we can <laughs> switch it up like we just did. That was that was amazing. 
Um, all right, people, let her know what you think. Uh, Jesse, thank you so much. That, that was brilliant. Um, and for you listening, for those of you tuning in, laughing alongside of us, that's going to do it for another show. Oh, sad panda music. Uh, we do hope you enjoyed it and of course we would love to hear from you visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com let us know if any suggestions critiques corrections or general comments you might have I get a lot of feedback from you listeners and I I think there may be a slight misunderstanding about my call to uh, comment I don't want your comments telling me that I'm doing a great job. I don't want... If, if all you have to tell me is that you appreciate the show, I'm going out on a limb and saying, that's a given. What I want are your critiques. I want how I can make this better. Not for me. For you. How can we make this more relevant to your life? How can we make you need, not want to tune in to nine cents. That's what I want to know. So again, if you're just writing in to say, thank you for what you do. Hey, I appreciate it, but I don't want to be mean. That doesn't do me any good. I need to know what we're doing wrong so that I can correct it so that I can make it better for you. That's really what it comes down to. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now let us know what you think honestly and objectively. This is not for my ego. This is for all of us collectively, all of the contributors to what is nine cents to help us. Sounds shitty saying it. Help you. Uh, you can, of course, visit us in social media, Satanet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, MySpace, YouTube, Stitcher. Let us know what you think. You're going to get updated on weekly topics. You're going to hear about uh, contests. You're going to hear about commentary from other satanic sources that we find of worth. Of course, we are Satanists. We are actively engaging, living our lives. And some of us produce products that are worth your time and hard-earned cash. We're going to tell you about them. If you tune into social media, that's only one of the many, many reasons to check us out. You can download the shows Monday via the RSS feed found at 9 cents or, of course, Last.fm, Stitcher, YouTube. However you subscribe to us, however you get us, leave a rating and a comment. It's, again, not for us. It's for everyone else. I continually, even nowadays, halfway through the life cycle of 9 cents, Hear about people saying, I just found out about Nine Cents. I am loving it. Thank you for doing what you do. They just found out about it. And we're four and a half years in. There are tons of people that have never heard anything. It is incumbent upon you, if you want Nine Cents, to grow. If you want Nine Cents to be heard and influence Satanists the world around. Providing a resource of intellectual development that you are not going to find anywhere else. You and are dick the one. jokes. And dick jokes <laughs> that you won't find anywhere else. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just completely derailed you. <laughs> oh man, I was on a track. I was on a roll. Oh. And of course, dick jokes. I mean, it comes up from time to time. Uh, of course, if you, <laughs> I don't even know. I'm not even going to try to pick it up. If you'd like to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, churchofsatan.com, the Satanic Bible, the Satanic Scriptures, that's what you should be picking up, consuming over and over again until you fully grasp what it means to be a Satanist. And let me say this really quick. 
Hopefully no dick joke interruptions. <laughs> if you don't identify as a Satanist and you just like the idea of it, that is fine. Don't call yourself a Satanist. But if you do, if you self-identify as a Satanist and you need those tenants that Anton LaVey put down nearly 50 years ago, that they speak to who and what you are as an individual, be proud of that. Don't hide it from yourself. Some of us need to hide it from the world around us, and that's fine. That is okay. Embrace who and what you are. Do not be ashamed. You are Satanist. You are the alien elite. And for those of you, again, who do not feel that way, it's okay if you tune in. It's okay if you like it. But don't pretend, for fuck's sake. Do not pretend, because you are not, and you will never be. There's importance in understanding the distinction. And again, once uh, the only way we're going to continue this is via your interaction. Thank you so much for doing so. Blah, blah, blah. Once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by... Jesse. Beautiful, wonderful Jesse. Thank you so much for your segment and for contributing to this thing. I, I really, truly love it. Uh, and until next week, for all of you tuning in, Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail Satan.